0: Will you keep it down? I'm trying to do drugs. I'm in murders and executions, mostly.
1: Do you have a, a dog? A, a little chow or something?
2: <laughs> no, Alan. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is! <laughs> get a goddamn job, Al. You have a negative attitude. That's what's stopping you. You gotta get your act together. I'll help you.
0: I need to return some videotapes. I'm
2: just
1: a happy camper, rockin' and a-rolling.
2: That's right. Today on Film on the Rocks, this is not an exit. We are talking about the cult classic from the year 2000 starring Christian Bale, American Psycho. Welcome back to another episode of Film on the Rocks and i'm brucker and i'm joined today with my co-host levi levi how you doing
1: i'm very well brucker how are you
2: i'm doing well and today if you didn't notice in the quotes there's another there's a third voice with us we are joined by blake from the podcast whiskey and whiskers thanks for joining us blake uh, can you tell
0: us a little bit about yourself and your podcast hey guys how's it going uh yeah like you said my name is blake um, I do a podcast called Whiskey and Whiskers. Uh, basically, it's a whiskey review along with just like kind of garage talk, you know, bullshit. We mm-hmm. make fun of each other. We, we joke. We cut <laughs> up. Um, it's, it's supposed to be inclusive and it's supposed to be easily accessible. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's in the vein of comedy. But, but uh, yeah, we just basically have a good time. And like I said, we review whiskey every week. So new bottle every week.
1: Blake, right oh. now, do you have a specific kind of whiskey that you are recommending to your close friends?
0: Um, I, I, have a specific brand, even I can tell you. Uh, we did a, a, top five for under, under forty. Oh, nice. And and mm. um, I was able, I was actually able to pick out every single one in a blind tasting. I knew what it was. Wow. But oh, that's awesome. But tasting them back to back to back, my my, I stack ranked them before we did the the show and then afterwards the order was not what i thought even though i got the the brands right Hmm. um so my favorite right now under 40 is elijah craig that is a great bottle of whiskey Uh, it's it's easy to find anywhere and it's i mean it's just truly delicious and fun to drink
1: i don't know if i've ever had elijah craig
2: I feel so self-validated because I bought myself a bottle of that <laughs> as like a Christmas present to myself. And it's been just such a joy drinking that. It's so good.
0: It's good mixing it if that's what you're into. On our show, we always drink it straight, mix it with a glass. That's all we need. If even that. Sometimes it's straight out of the bottle. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, it's a tasty, tasty treat. You should check it out if you haven't
1: think i might
2: oh yeah it's good i'm more of like i like to just put like a little bit of ice in it and just let the ice melt a little bit that's kind of like my yep. my go-to but yeah that's that's awesome yeah, elijah craig's great yeah, um well, thanks thanks again blake for uh, joining us and today we are talking about american psycho from the year 2000 this movie is directed by mary heron and the stars uh, christian bale josh lucas uh, Reese Witherspoon, Jared Leto, Willem Dafoe, and Cara uh, Seymour. And this was my first time actually seeing this movie. I'm surprised I haven't seen it before, no and this was just awesome. Uh, uh, Levi and Blake. I guess we'll we'll start with we'll start with Blake since he's our guest. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Blake, uh, what's your history with this movie? So I'd seen it once before, um, and I I recognized first of all, uh, you know. By the end, you're you're really left with a lot of questions, right? So uh, I'm glad I got a chance to watch it again, um, and my second run through it, I picked up on a lot more and was able to kind of grasp it a little better, mm. um, just having having watched it a second time and knowing what to look for, you know.
1: Yeah i I'd, I'd seen this this film before, um, and <laughs> it's actually this movie is so weird and so cool at the same time it, it is it is right. a it is a weird weird movie whenever uh rachel and i were gonna we're gonna watch it i was like hey so we're we're uh we have this guy blake on we're gonna do american psycho she was like nope nope you watch it alone i'm not doing it like she really yeah so she's watched it before but she's it's one of those movies that she's like it's just so it's just so
0: weird uh it's heavy that's... it's it's intense and by the end of it you you it's like you're going insane with him, you know. Right? You're 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 drained. <laughs> you're emotionally exhausted by the end of this. Oh, movie.
1: That, that's a hundred percent right. And that that's what's crazy is that Christian Bale. This is I think this is one of his more, in my opinion, just acting completely, one of his more underrated roles. I think he just destroys this role. I think that he the like his inner torment and his constant. Like questioning of it, you know. We'll get to the the nuances of the film here in a little bit, obviously. But this mm-hmm. this was not my first time experiencing American Psycho, and uh I went into it because just because it's so weird. I was like, okay, I'll watch it, and then I f- I finished, and I was like, oh, man, I forgot how just wild that movie was. I needed a breather afterward. I felt my whole body getting into the movie.
2: Yeah, I was I was like really thrown for a loop. Cause I did I thought that this was a straight up horror movie because uh, i i didn't I, I didn't even watch a trailer for this movie i just went into it cold i just knew it was kind of a cult classic and start christian bale yeah. and that he was a serial killer but that's all i knew yeah. and i was like like the first act of this movie was like wow this guy is a dipshit and then <laughs> and then you kind of it, it, it's it's like a you know like a in the words of shrek it's like an onion you just keep pe- peel, peeling back all these different layers to yeah. it and mm-hmm. The third act of the movie is just crazy, mm-hmm. which wild, and it, it was. It's weird to say that something so violent, or I guess not violent, but something so dark, is fun. But it was, it was a fun ride, uh, especially you know once we get towards the end and you're trying to decipher what's going on. Right, um, and, it, to, and
0: it, there is notes of uh, satire and even comedy at at points. Like it's 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 disingenuous to just call it a straight up horror or a straight up drama. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it kind of spreads this gap you know um and and at time almost satirizes itself it's uh there's a lot going on (laughs) absolutely uh before we dive more into this
2: i kind of just want to give a little bit more background about this movie so again this movie was directed by mary uh, heron and it came out in 2000 and this movie had an estimated budget of about seven million dollars and it made just under five million in its opening weekend, and its worldwide box office was over thirty-four million dollars. Wow! Um, this in <laughs> this movie is is an it's a uh, movie adaptation of a novel uh, called American Psycho by uh, Brett Easton Ellis, which came out. This novel came out in 1991, and the book, from from what I understand, the book is actually way more violent and grotesque and way more brutal than the movie uh, it, interestingly enough actually it was so kind of gross and disturbing that when it was being sold in bookstores it was being sold like in shrink wrap so that way people can open up the book and read it in the stores because mm. that's like how much it like grossed people out um and there's even a broadway musical adaptation of this that came out in 2013 oh my gosh um, no kidding oh, that,
0: that would be fun wouldn't it yeah
2: oh <laughs> I, I would I would love to know the the, the the musical notes to this like that would be so in f- all like because we see some Christian bales character uh Bateman he dances like we get like two seconds of him dancing a little bit when we're talking about music in this but that'll be kind of fun to see musical numbers in this I don't know especially him maybe running around with a chainsaw to a the, the choreography of, to that, would oh be yeah, kind of you know Huey Lewis in the, <laughs> the news
1: is just is most of that play. It's most of the music in that uh-huh. on that stage.
0: Yeah, there's lots of opportunity for for a cheesy '80s pop, for sure.
2: <sighs> oh that, that would be great. Kind of like uh, it's kind of like Hairspray, but with a serial killer. Um, oh my <laughs> gosh, man!
1: I can't, I can't even. I don't know if I can even entertain that. The idea of putting Christian Bale in like a Hairspray kind of role. Oh my gosh.
2: uh just a little bit more uh ellis the the author of the novel he said that he kind of wrote this because he was the the character patrick bateman he said he was very much like him Mm. actually and he was very much like a involved in like consumerism and being being very materialistic and this was and he kind of hated himself for this a little bit and this and we kind of see how patrick bateman compares himself to a lot of people and he kinda hates himself a little bit. We'll kinda maybe dive into a little bit later, but so he said he he wasn't just like inspired one day to just sit down and write a novel about how he kinda like dislikes how much he's consumed and materialism and everything. He would kinda do this in spurts whenever he was kinda feeling really down about it or whatever. And um, he would even go to he then he kinda morphed this into the serial killer story. And he said uh, he would even go to the public library and be researching serial killers to write about this. He said he kind of get weird looks because he's doing this in broad daylight. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, very interesting. And this, I don't, I don't know if either of you have seen or read, seen the show Dexter or read the book Dexter by Jeff Lindsay. But this, this felt super familiar to that show slash book Dexter. A uh, lot of, there's a lot of similar or there's a lot of parallels to them um but th- this 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 was a very interesting movie and kind of like a weird
0: maybe peeking behind the curtains what maybe a person yeah, had it seemed like in dexter though you were rooting for him like he was almost an anti-hero yeah. and in this very true. i don't want to say that it, he's not he's not necessarily the antagonist he, it at points you you feel sorry for him you empathize with him but then it's just like that gets shattered as soon as the hyper violence comes out. You know, right. like you oh, exactly. feel bad for him, and then all of a sudden he's just the most horrible person in the world, and and you hate him again. It's 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 a roller right. coaster. Yeah, because sure. you know, e-
1: you know, either way, kind of like you said, you root for Dexter. You know, murder is is bad, but like you with Dexter, there's like a level of like him killing people who you can kind of justify why they're probably being killed, like this serial killer side of him. Whereas Bateman is more of a like yeah like like Blake was saying at the beginning you're like oh this poor guy is tormented he's you know at, at, you know he's either sick or he's in his own head or something's going on like he is disturbed in some capacity and the poor guy's going through a lot and then it kind of goes into this whole over the top level of violence of him going from an axe which is still visceral in and of itself to him deciding, mm-hmm. am I going to use a nail gun? Am I going to use a chainsaw? To like this, like him kind of running his fingers over the the tools
0: and like. I was about to say he finds pleasure oh, yeah. in like thinking about each one and which oh, one yeah. am I going to choose? And it's you It's like see his him, project. You can see him running his hands over. He touches the handle of the axe and then he goes over to the nail gun and then he yeah. goes like.
1: It's it's like his it's like his. Uh, he talks about H- Huey Lewis in the news. It's like they really came into their own. They were this, and then they've become this thing that speaks more to me. He's kind of creating his own form of entertainment, where he says, "This is this is my this is my opus." I got to figure out which tool I use and how I go about it. But he's still, you mm-hmm. know, the newspapers laying down, and he's still got his his. He's still wearing his suit with the rain jacket and all that stuff. But yeah, it's it's. I I, I think I can see the comparison of Dexter just because they're both like serial killers but i don't mm-hmm. know Dex- i mean dexter is in is kind of sick in his own way and kind of has his own troubles but well, like, it's how, how, how did you think of like the comparison with dexter
2: the, the things that kind of reminded to me were both the the internal monologue that we were getting and that they were both yeah. very particular about their routines and you know oh, what yeah. they prefer and also there's, there's this big theme in Dexter in both the, it's more prevalent in the novels in the show, I think, but where Dexter talks about his dark passenger and how his dark passenger wants to come mm-hmm. out and show his real self. And we kind of get that with uh, Patrick Bateman as well, how he feels like he's wearing a mask and that he says that he kind of, his like his urges or his impulses are starting to seep into his day, his everyday life more often. And it's kind of scaring him a little bit. Um, they do a, a really good job at showing his 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 problem with his duality, uh, you know, throughout this. And there was a really clever uh, visual uh, visual element of this with him and his fiance in the cab, and his fiance. You, you can see her face and everything, but his face is distorted by the 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 barrier between the driver and the passengers in the taxi cab you can only see like a blur of his face which was very i thought very cool visual storytelling in that he, he's wearing a mask when he's out and he this isn't his real self um but yeah so those were kind of like the parallels i was drawing especially the internal monologue and uh how they both have described having this darkness or this this inner self that is trying to seep out
0: and at the beginning of the movie, they also do the, uh, the whole opening monologue when he when he peels mm-hmm. the mask off his face. Um, and I think there's even there's even a quote that's something like you, you may be able to shake my hand and feel flesh there, but I simply am not there. And, and he's it's good. There's an idea of Patrick Bateman, right. An abstraction or something like that. Um, he's so like he's his whole personality is defined by this yuppie lifestyle so much so that he's completely lost who Patrick mm-hmm. Bateman really is. There is no Patrick Bateman. There's just this yeah. yuppie lifestyle, and I feel like the the homicidal, the the dark passenger, whatever you want to call it, is mm-hmm. just it's it's his it's it's him kicking and screaming to be recognized and to be acknowledged as something special in a in a world where you know he's he feels like he's ex- exceptional, but he's just status quo, just like everyone else and. And they have, right. a, they have a really cool uh, trick also where they, uh, they keep messing up yeah. names. Throughout the whole yeah. movie, they're messing up names. And, yeah. and, and, and it, it plays into this, like, you know, all, all of you people look the same. He even says, he, he shops at the same uh, places I do. We wear the same glasses. He has, this, he has a penchant for the same suits. And, uh, but yeah. I have a slightly better haircut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, yeah. They We're all look the same. Barber, they all even look it's the same.
1: This, yeah. I, I 100% agree, Blake. I th- it's a, he's trying to find his identity in this sea of people that all share his identity and you can see his mm-hmm. just the fury and this is honestly we, we kind of you talk about the masks and the, the duality when i see when i watch this movie i see him like this he, he craves to be recognized so uh, uh uh what's his name paul allen comes in and he is says i'm getting a reservation mm-hmm. at Dorset fr- on friday night uh, which this was, you know, the, the whole card scene is one of the, in my opinion, is one of the best scenes in the movie. Oh yeah. And he,
0: the moment <laughs> they're like,
1: oh my gosh, Dorcia, man, Paul Allen is the greatest. And then he immediately is like, got a new card, mmm, praise me. And they go, oh man, Bateman, this is really awesome. And then he kind of, his demeanor changes from frustration to like, mmm, yeah, that's bone. That's, that's bone color, you see, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it transitions into them mm. praising a different card and he starts to break down again. And so his constant desire to you know b- by the end of the movie him saying, "No, no, no. I like I I murdered people. Like I I did it this like desire to be recognized in some way shape or form. He can't do it in his career. And so he murders people mm-hmm. and he says, "Look at me. I'm I'm the serial killer." I'm the murderer. I'm the person who wants to stand over people's bodies and chop them into pieces. I, I have someone's head in my fridge. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Remember my name. And people call him different stuff all the time. They don't even know, even at the end, they go, oh, yeah, Bateman's a loser. And he's like, I'm Bateman. Like, even when he wants to murder, <laughs> when it, when he's murdered someone, again, we'll talk about the ending later. I don't want to, you know, that's a whole can of worms. Mm-hmm. The, lo- the lawyer is still like, uh, sure, Sure, man. Whatever, and doesn't recognize
0: him even when he's murdered all these people.
1: Uh, it's it-
0: the card scene. You brought up the card scene too, and, and it it's a perfect visual visualization of like um, him compared yep. to all of his peers, right? Because they he lays the card down, and they all oh my god, oh my, they you know ooh and awe ah over it, mm-hmm. and then they lay the next card down, and they ooh and awe, ah, and then the third card, and they show all three cards mm-hmm. next to each other, and they all look the same. I mean, they're all white, and yeah. black text, and everything's the same. But they're just like so obsessed with the the smallest little difference that the thickness, yeah, all these the, like yeah. meticulous details, yep. yeah. yeah. And, is and it, in reality, they're all yep. they're all the same cars, and, and they're all, <laughs> all, a they're shade of all carbon
1: cutouts of eighties <laughs> businessmen. They, or yeah. What did you What did you say? Like yuppie mm-hmm. culture, whatever you said. Yeah.
0: Yep. That's right. Yep.
2: Is it Is it more of Bateman wanting to? like is it like a competitiveness where he's like like i'm on top i'm the alpha and i have the best or is it more of him wanting to be more human and try to fit in I, with other I humans i think
1: it's just i mean like any human a desire to be known i mean he is clearly successful he mm-hmm. he introduces himself i thought this was so strange he the first thing he says is where he lives and then he says his name mm-hmm. so it's not a pet like hit, hit. His personhood, it's short. not a matter of, like, look at me. It's just a matter of I need to be recognized. I need to have an identity because it's it's not about how successful he is just in itself. It's a, I. It's not even the I'm the guy that loves Valentino suits because the other guy also, like, they make a point, like, again, to go back to the card scene. They make a point to say there's literally a guy that looks just like me, but I have a better haircut, so... Boom, identity, slightly better haircut. I've got that. So I think it's less to, I think it's just kind of this this level of, as a human being, you kind of fall into the numbers. And he wanted so desperately to be, I'm special. I'm this, I'm that. And whenever he's sitting down with, I forget mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe's character, and he mentions where he's from, and Willem Dafoe's like, ooh, very nice. You see Bateman's appearance, like his demeanor change. He goes, oh, yeah recognition
2: i uh, say so i got him yeah uh yeah so this movie is there's a lot of like fine details in this movie that these characters obsess over um and it, it was very interesting kind of seeing this yep. this yuppie culture really brought to the forefront um before we kind of continue into some of our favorite scenes let's uh let's talk about drinking rules guys um Le- uh, levi would you, uh, or blake do you care if Levi go first or you go first? Yeah, it absolutely. All right. Shoot,
1: Levi, I, I feel like we'll have a couple yeah. overlaps just because there are some, some, some phrases and words that people mention a lot, and you kind of have to make those drinking rules. Dorcia is obviously one. If Dorcia <laughs> is mentioned, I feel like that's, mm-hmm. that's one that has to be in. Anytime they talk about Dorcia, take a drink. Uh, the mentioning of the videotapes. I have to return some videotapes. I have to return some videotapes. Take a drink on that.
0: That's like his bailout for any any uncomfortable situation. <laughs> right? He says, "I need to return which, some videotapes." I leaves. was gonna say, which you, <laughs> can't you do cannot that say anymore, today if anymore. If you do, they're gonna be like,
1: "That is a terrible." It's like nowadays, like when everybody's kind of like at home. What yeah, exactly? <laughs> like everybody's at home and be like, "I'm busy." But like, "No, you're not. You're in quarantine right now. You are not busy at all right now." It's like I have to return some videotapes. Return where? Uh, so, return videotapes. <laughs>
2: I gotta rearrange my Netflix queue. <laughs> it's a whole. It's a mess. Uh,
1: I had uh, every time uh, Patrick takes off or puts on his headphones, um, he's he's always got his his uh, okay. Walkman cool. with him. Um, every time somebody pulls out a business card, uh, which there is a a good scene of you know for a good five to eight minutes where you're just gonna be throwing it down, um, and I had I thought of two. <laughs> For my like, uh, finish your drink moment, and I couldn't decide, so I'm just gonna say both of them. Uh, finish your drink whenever Hip to Be Square comes on, for the, which I just that is so good. <laughs> and this one, this one's probably mm-hmm. my favorite, though. Finish your drink whenever Bateman tries to put a cat in the ATM. Oh, god, that's <laughs> such a good scene. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> <laughs> which that that's honestly kind of the first moment whenever people start to question, wait, is this really happening? Is this all happening in his head? Like that, that's, I think that's the first, like for me, at least the first definitive moment.
2: I think there's definitely a few other ones where you're like, because throughout the movie, can I would be like, wait, was that real? <laughs> so we'll talk about well, yeah, that. A little yeah, yeah, bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but good rules, man. Uh, Blake, uh, what, uh,
0: what do you got? So yeah, kind of a few of the same. I, I, wrote down uh anytime music or headphones you see his headphones or or he talks about music um mm-hmm. it's actually got mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of music in it and it uh it kind of surprised me that someone that's so disconnected and so but has such a love for music obviously like for real he does um yeah it, we'll talk about when he in favorite scenes when he's talking about the music but okay. uh yeah headphones head, headphones or music um any any lunch reservation, same as Dorsey. I I, I just put any lunch reservation <laughs> anytime they say mm-hmm. let's do lunch. Any anything like that, I think that'd be fun. Um, a, a couple extras that I had was the the confusing the names. Anytime someone calls someone else by an, the wrong name or or, mm-hmm. uh, um, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. And and, and really it happens good. all even like like he'll be in a in a restaurant and he'll say is that Donald Trump and just just so that he can say that like <laughs> just um, so he can name drop a, right. someone that's not even there, right. Yeah. And then one that I noticed um that seems I was trying to find something that was that was pretty regular throughout the whole movie. Um anytime pa- Bateman says listen and I, I felt like it was uh a good part of it helps explain his character because he's so like self-absorbed mm. that he almost like demand he listen and then he'll continue with the sentence or um I, I anyway he's, he says it throughout it's, the it's movie. It's like he, he's and, demanding your attention. Right. And and putting himself in a position of authority and and uh mm-hmm. and he does it he, now that i've pointed it out you'll you'll be like holy shit he says that all the time um, <laughs> that's a good catch so yeah that those are mine i didn't have a big uh finish your drink moment i like the uh the huey lewis in the news though because that's <laughs> if if you only watched one scene from this movie it's got to be that one that pretty much oh, yeah. that pretty much sums yeah. it up <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah wow, man. great
2: rules um there's uh, definitely some overlap um I had kind of like what you two talked about. I just had whenever there's just discussion about restaurants or, you know, getting dinner, getting reservations, lots of talks about that. So I had whenever people – or whenever it's food or restaurant talk, drink. I um, also had whenever Bateman threatens someone, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's just in his head or actually. So whenever he threatens someone, take a drink.
1: Like only if you want to keep your spleen.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> uh there, there's there's a oof we, we, we can get into that in a little bit <laughs> oh yeah uh like uh like blake i think mentioned this i also had whenever he talks about music um i had whenever somebody whips out a business card as well mm-hmm. uh and i i love these like very fancy like card holders that they had you know there's like you know flesh f- uh Flip, flip them out and you know has this this, this mm-hmm. zing to it it's very just like you know, I, I don't i don't even have a wallet i keep these in these these have their own little thing uh
0: did that's it, how did important it seem these like are. most of them only had one card also did you did you yes
2: that? i thought that was odd yeah
0: i mean i yeah so i have like five just a floor cards model so. yeah. <laughs> i don't know i guess maybe they just restock every time they go back to their office every time they give one out yeah, I don't know.
2: Maybe their their oh. assholes are so tight they could just like keep the rest of them up there. I don't know what's going on, but. <laughs> uh, and then, my last drinking rule was: um, whenever Bateman has his black gloves on, take a drink.
0: Oh. oh, that's a good one.
2: Yeah, yeah. The I felt really bad because the headphones thing was like very relatable to me because just the the kind of like job I'm in, I'm able to like, listen to podcasts all day, so. Mm-hmm. I was just like, man, like that's me. I have headphones in all the time. Am I a psychopath? But uh, <laughs> but I don't want to. Everybody's clubs. got headphones in, man. Yep. You're good. <laughs> um, well, let's uh, let's get into some of our favorite scenes, and I kind of want to jump into what Blake brought up with some of the music. Um, that's uh, I, I felt like that was something that was like kind of odd to me, and I just couldn't quite figure out about why he was so obsessed. About music and like, wow, he had so much knowledge about it. I kind of took it as him trying to blend in to be more human because whenever he talked about or whenever he raved about the artists and their songs, it sounded like a robot reading, I don't know, some sort of manuscript about this article about it. And to me, that was just him like, oh, I read this in some magazine. This is what normal humans think. So, I'm just going to regurgitate this to blend in.
0: I was going to say that I I literally imagined, and they don't ever address it, but I literally imagined him like opening the Rolling Stone, reading about that artist and memorizing every line so that he can say it later. And it's not like outside of his personality to do something like that. And not only that convince himself that he's the one that said it.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's very, very common. um, A lot of these, like not to take a super dark turn, but a lot of these, Serial killer psychopaths that have been famous that are like we didn't know we had no idea like your your Mm -hmm. Bundy's your John Wayne Gacy's are all in their community incredibly active and super kind and uh, you know not all of them but it's very very it's a common trait for people like oh they were so. They were so respectful. Mm -hmm. They were so charismatic. They were so good with my kids. They were so good. They always went to the, you know, the neighborhood birthday parties and through the block parties. And so, like, his kind of level of, like, rehearsed kind of, like, everything's okay. And I'm talking about Huey Lewis in the news. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it felt, yeah, it did feel rehearsed. But it's also could be this level of just his self of kind of letting the guard down of his victims and to say like, man, like I'm, I am just like you, I'm hip and I love music and look how cheer I am mm. talking about Huey Lewis in the news. Um, I don't know. So it could have been, or it could have been that he genuinely <laughs> really, really liked music. Uh, and it just was a, a point of conversation. Uh, like, I mean, cause he's clearly doing something that he was, a, that he enjoys and that is always on his mind of like murdering people and he so he puts on his favorite music and so he you know picks out his his best axe, his shiniest axe, takes his medicine and you know he's he's getting all ready so i think it just might be part of his his routine also it was to muffle it probably i mean again the farther and farther we get into the movie we see he doesn't really care about noise because he's revving a chainsaw in the stairwell and nobody notices or you know, he's got a, a body in the back of the trunk of people like, "Ooh, I love that travel bag. No one cares. Uh, but he, you know, it could have been just for noise, but it might also just be for the fact that he was like, it's like putting on music as you get into a bath and light some candles. Like he's just setting the mood for him doing
0: what he loves. This is how he unwinds, man. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah, even, you know, he's, he's having sex with the hookers. And he's got his—I mean—he puts the videotape on, he sets everything up, mm-hmm. and then it's—it's it's him having sex with two girls, and he's just looking at himself in the mirror and like dancing and flexing. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but but music is always a part of it when he's when he's living these fantasies, which yeah, well, I guess we'll get into in just a minute. But when he's living through these fantasies, it seems like music is always a part of it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I wonder if it's because he's trying to. So we kind of see. Th- in the movie in the background he has like texas chainsaw massacre on and you know later we see him chasing uh, a woman with the chainsaw and you know we also he has like pornography on as well Mm -hmm. and he's obviously trying to imitate these things like you know the, the the porno he has on was with two women he brings two women home and there's, a, you know, that the cheesy porno music, or whatever. So I wonder if he thinks like with, to him to recreate that or even the chainsaw scene, there's like, you know, a musical score of some sort. So he has to have some sort of music on the background for him to actually think that this is how it's supposed to go
0: down. I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, I was going to ask what you guys thought of the, the pornography in the background. Like, and it's so nonchalant. I think he's talking to his fiance and there's just like screaming porn in the background. And it's, you're, yeah, it was, for someone that spends so much time trying to fit in, it's like, you know, you're probably throwing off some weird vibes right here. <laughs> but but <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody even notices because everyone else is so absorbed as well.
1: I mean, right. if he is like a psychopath, there is this level of that he's probably just trying to feel. Like he's just trying to connect with something. Texas uh, mm-hmm. Chainsaw Massacre, like blood, gore, elicit some sort of reaction. Pornography in the background elicit kind of those... You know the dopamine's flowing, pleasure, ple, like the pleasure receptors, trying to get something cooking in his in his in his body on a chemical level, because the because the guy is going day to day, blending in with everybody else, and there's no level of like uniqueness to him, or at least that's how he sees himself, and so he's you know seeking this out allegedly, uh. So I I, I think it's you know he's just so the you know, I say the poor guy, is so, just. Uh, I mean, it could be that he's so just em- em- emotionally squished that he's trying to uproot what is kind of being forced down um, through either, you know, pornography mm-hmm. and these violent films, Oh, you know, kind of concluding with that pornography isn't enough. I have to, you know, this loud, you know, very, um, you know, the pornography, I guess, in itself is not violent, but very uh, active. And so it kind of ends with him getting progressively and progressively more uh graphic with his uh sexual conquests and progressively more graphic mm. with his uh violent acts so i think he's trying to pull something up you know it's it's a climb obviously you see it gets bigger and bigger and bigger
2: yeah it's it's interesting i, I can't i couldn't tell if it was like kind of what you were saying I, I, I like your take on that it's just him trying to feel something have some sort of you know dopamine you know release pleasure. Um, also, could, just because, kind of like what I said earlier, we kind of see him trying to reenact both the chain, Texas Chainsaw Massacre scene and this. Um, and we see throughout the movie, he kind of mentions some like f- trivia facts about real-life serial killers. He talks about um, Ed Gein and Ted Bundy as well. So, I wonder if like that's him trying... In and, and interviews, Ted Bundy, he... Uh, kind of, I am I don't mean to put words in someone's mouth, but just from my like, interviews I've read about him, he's kind of put his weird sadist desires to him being exposed to pornography at a very early age. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you're kind of, if he's like leaving you breadcrumbs and that, like he's done research on people that he thinks are like him, like Ed Gein and Ted Bundy, and this is some of the information we just know about them. Mm. So he's kind of imitating what they did just to, maybe see like oh well, these are these guys are like me this is what they did maybe i would like it too i don't I don't know i'm kind of just speculating here
0: yeah it stands to reason that someone that that gets their jollies off by murdering people um in gruesome ways it, it stands to reason that they've probably done a little bit of research and and started at an entry level of at least just knowing that and i feel like the little trivia stuff is just an insight like uh you know yeah he's 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 interested in this kind of stuff. He follows it. He not. He's read enough about it that he knows the name of Ted Bundy's dog. You right. know, and mm. and he he carries that with him. And obviously, he's evolved evolved past that to a to a more uh, like bringing that out in the real world, not just a fantasy in his head. But I guess that's where that's where we'll end up.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there very well could be too. Like this, I mean, he's he, There's this loneliness. He could be just seeking out people that may or may not understand him, not, you know, on a relational mm. level, but just saying, I have just this innate desire to murder and I seemingly live this normal mm-hmm. life and I take very, very good care of myself and I'm physically attractive and I am, you know, just like everybody else and I exercise and take care of my hair just like everybody else. And I mean, Ted Bundy's a great example of someone who, you know, literally they they're finding, you know, they're. They're, they're proving these horrific crimes that he's committed, these murders, and people still aren't believing it because he's so nice and he's so attractive and he's so good. You know, he's so good-looking. He was like, that was a big part of his his case and his trial was so televised mm-hmm. because he was such a good-looking person. And they're like, no, but scary people look like Frankenstein, right? That's where the, the murderers are, are the ugly, grotesque people that are homeless and hide in the shadows and live in a box, right? But like, no, it's like it's people who like Bateman live, you know, have a successful career and live in a nice apartment and make a lot of money. But just for some reason, there's something in their brain that just fires chemicals differently. And so they just want to murder people
0: did you notice that that for someone that defines themselves so much by their by their um, career and their house and all that um he does no work never once do you see him do any work at all that's true. Uh, he'll he'll go into he'll go into his office and he puts his feet up and i think at one point uh his fiance reese witherspoon who does a great job too um she says uh why don't you just quit if you hate that place and then she mentioned something about uh, your dad practically owns the place. Again, that's the only yeah. mention. Like you never meet his dad. You know, you don't know who his dad even is. Yeah. They just they just throw that in there. So it's almost like, like, he has this self inflated sense of superiority. That's all. It, it was all seem, seemingly given to him. You know. And right. and because of it, he feels superior. But he never works ever. He's never t- typing an email. He's never even when he's talking on the phone. He's not even talking on the phone. He's pretending. That's True. Do we know what he does? Some kind of stock stock broker. Yeah. Murders and executions.
1: Not yeah. That's true. That's fair.
2: That's a you're the the part that you just brought up, Blake, where he's you know faking that conversation on the phone. I. This was one of this, this was one of my favorite scenes was the first conversation with him and the the, the detective played detective by Detective Kimball I just
0: remembered it Detective Kimball right Thank you Kimble. yes that's it uh, Will, this Willem was Defoe. one of my
2: this was one of my favorite scenes in this cuz it's such a chess match between these two because Will- Willem Dafoe, of course, he's being a good detective. He's, he's like, withholding some information. He's not showing all his cards. He's just kind of seeing how much of Bateman's story matches up with what he already right. knows. And Bateman is, be- outside of that phone call, that fake phone call, which was pretty real, was, like, pretty, very passable. I was, for a half second, I was even like, wait, is he really talking to someone? Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. he, which just kind of shows he's very good at faking reality. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how much can we actually trust from this? And, you know, to me, I, I wouldn't put it past that his dad actually doesn't own anything in that business. And that he kind of just said that. So he has clout. Wow. But um, I I love this because it's such a chess match. I love, I wish we had, that's the, that's the one thing I wish we got more from this movie was Willem Dafoe's character. Because he was awesome. I thought he was so yeah. good. And I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit more of a cat and mouse thing between mm. them. But oh, it was so good, and honestly, I thought that Bateman was doing kind of a bad job, like staying on his toes and keeping up with the lies and everything, because to me, I felt like he was just backing himself into a corner he wouldn't be able to get out of in this conversation.
0: And Willem Dafoe, like you said, does an excellent job of like, you know, it's almost like he he can see it. You can tell he's calculated. Uh, he has like this mm-hmm. smile, this this coy, this coyness oh, about yeah. him that's like, oh, what do you think? And and. You can see bateman he he wins the the mental battle because Bateman's all all bullshit, he's all fake mm. and and Kimball mm-hmm. just tears him down through the conversation but to to go in uh, to the later themes, um I don't know that Kimball thinks of him as a threat. Mm. I think by the end of every conversation they have, um Bateman's all clammy and weird, and Kimball's like that's not that guy,
1: yeah. I, I, oh, I, I agree with you, Blake, by the end of the film because you kind of think, well, you know, Willem Dafoe is such a good actor and every time, honestly every time he's on screen, he makes me uneasy just because he's I, I mean, I'm <laughs> I mean, all of his roles, he kind of <laughs> has that like creepy air about him, but every time I see him in some sort of role, I'm waiting for him to be like Godspeed, Spider-Man <laughs> and then wander off or whatever out yeah. am I. yeah. but he, <laughs> uh, yeah I, halfway through the 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 movie and he's i guess the second time he talks to bateman he's like do you feel like you're being cross-examined and he was like uh no i was like ooh he's the detective kimball's got him he's got him on the ropes but by the end of it he's like Mm -hmm. oh man sorry for coming by your office blah 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 blah. yeah we're we're working on it and it seems so like like bateman isn't even on his radar so i i think yeah i think Bateman does a better job on the outside than he probably gives himself credit for.
2: Yeah, and uh, the detective also says that uh, Bateman's alibi checked out or something because somebody else said that Bateman was with them that night doing Mm -hmm. something else, but you can't really trust that because nobody knows who anyone is. nobody knows
1: who anybody is. Yeah, exactly. People were calling everybody. I mean, even at the end, he wasn't even being called Bateman. He was like, no, I'm Bateman. They're like,
2: ah, that's great. I know it's a comment on how these people are so self absorbed they can't really acknowledge other people in this and that's also kinda how I interpreted the the part where he's chasing the 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 woman with the chainsaw and just like and she's screaming for help and nobody does anything. To me, I kinda take that like, you know, this movie is obviously commenting on how these people in this like high society or the the, the yuppie culture—they're just so self-absorbed they can't even bother to like check what's
0: going on outside, so they just ignore it. Sure. Did you notice that to bail out of the conversation with uh, Detective Kimball, he says um, something like, I, "I need to let you go. I have a meeting with uh, Cliff Huxtable at the Four Seasons." Yes, yes. I, yes. <laughs> I was,
2: I, th- I was like, "Wait, Cliff Hust- Huxtable? That's, uh, that's that was it was it was kind of funny. The, I the Cosby was, Show, yeah." I was like, is he trying to just be, like, an asshole? Or, like, is is Cliff Huxtable even, like, a a character in this universe? But that was funny. Yeah, it it threw me off. It
0: threw me off because – oh, go ahead. ahead. No,
1: what if American Psycho and The Cosby Show are the same universe?
0: (laughs) Dude. Wow. You know, Bill Cosby totally fits this narrative, too. (laughs) Yeah, in in hindsight. As like a predator. Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
1: That that is 100% accurate. Yep. Yep.
0: So what, what threw me off the most, though, about that Cliff Huxtable comment in, in the context of the movie is that uh, Kimball doesn't acknowledge that Cliff Huxtable is who he's meeting with. He, he, he goes, oh, there's a, there's a Four Seasons downtown or something like that. It's the location of the Four Seasons. You're going to be late. That's, what he, that's where his detective brain goes, huh? not, oh, you're meeting Bill Cosby? <laughs> like. And remember, he has to make up, oh, there's, there's a Four Seasons 15 minutes yeah. away. Oh, I didn't know I know. That. And so it, it confused me because, like, he's supposed to be a detective. And, it, it, yeah, maybe maybe Cliff Huxtable isn't in this universe or maybe. something. But that's what the detective picked up on was the location of the restaurant, not the, the yeah, name and, drop. In the era where
1: having a map on your phone wasn't a thing and you couldn't just question it. That, like, good gracious, all the stuff you could get mm-hmm. away with.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to look something up real quick. Oh, never mind. I was going to say, I wonder if there was, like, a play on words, four seasons, like, something about season four of the cosby show but that show i've been going on. For. oh man
1: you were digging you were digging was, real deep oh i was gosh. grasping
2: at straws i was like maybe, maybe there's like a funnier pun, there's like a pun about this or something but no there's not there's nothing one. wrong with
1: grasping <laughs> at a couple straws uh
2: uh levi uh any scenes that kind of really like stuck out to you or you want to mention
1: yeah we we kind of covered already uh the the three that i had down blake mentioned at the beginning i, I thought the intro was awesome i thought it set the stage mm-hmm. really really well for what the movie was going to be um his regimen him he him being so uh so prepared and so you know how he constructs his physical appearance is so down to the letter of what he wants it to be um Love that scene, the opening dialogue. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, Chris uh, or, uh, Bateman's voice for uh, uh, for this opening scene is perfect. Just kind of this calm, cool collective getting into this moment. Um, the card scene we already mentioned. I think that's probably the best scene in the movie. Uh, hmm. Just the fa- just it, it, I, it just it, there's so much in that moment that kind of lets you know what's going on in the world around Bateman and.
0: I think that's the best acting in the movie is yep. during that scene for sure. I think because he says so much with just oh gosh, his face, yeah. you know. He, uh, there's a little bit of of uh, dialogue in his head, but it, his face even speaks more than than the dialogue. He's any he, like he's about to you can tell he's about to break the oh, pencil. Oh yeah. yeah, he's he acting him. with his whole body. Yeah, it's great.
1: It's his the thing uh-huh. that really kind of puts me over the edge with this scene is whenever he says the phrase. Uh, let's see Paul Allen's card, and you can hear he, like his voice is like in the back of his throat. He's like trying to hold a level, like some fury down his chest. He's like, oh, "Let's let's see Paul Allen's card." It's like way way back. He's clearly just infuriated. Mm. Uh, it's such a good scene. I, I agree with you, Blake. It's probably the best acted scene. Um, and then I had the uh, I, I had it down as the hip to be square scene, which you know essentially when Paul Allen is just brutally murdered that whole scene was uh the the dialogue in that is really really good and it's you kind of see bateman in his in his natural habitat mm-hmm. of he going through the motions he puts a cd and goes and takes his pills moon walks out with the axe puts you know all that stuff it's
0: i love he leans up against the the stack at, like the stereo equipment <laughs> yeah do yeah. it you know <laughs> with this it's gotta be the most iconic scene from the movie i think
2: but this this whole paul allen death scene probably.
1: Yeah, probably. But yeah, those are the three that I had. Those are those are my favorites.
0: Before we get into the ending, is that where yeah. we're going, right? Yeah, I was kind of going to go into like the whole third act, yeah. So, uh no, th- those are my favorite scenes that I if we're going to get into the ending, um when he goes back to visit the apartment, Paul Allen's par- apartment, um and the and the realtors there. Um I don't know that that's one of my favorite scenes or anything, but it but it it's what flips mm. the whole story on its head and you're like and it and it's so vague. It's so vague that it can go either way and, and so it's a really important scene to transition into the yeah. the final act. Yeah.
2: I completely agree. And that was like I, I guess we go ahead and start talking about mm. the the end of this movie. Um it's obviously, you know, it's it's a little bit ambiguous. What what is it what's ever I guess we could kind of start off with what's everyone's Thoughts or interpretations of yeah. Can we you know,
0: just fire this question out there? Uh, did he do it or not? Is it all in his yeah. head or mm. is it all real or somewhere in between? Yeah, yeah. So I guess Blake, since
2: you're the you're the person <laughs> who's you know who loves this movie, I'm 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 just very anxious to hear what what, what you have to say about this. So, I think
0: I, I honestly tend to lean more towards mm. it's all in his head than than to believe that he did. Any of it, um, I think. Just like he, he, uh, like I think he read the Rolling Stone magazines and then re- memorizes them and recites them later, and is convinced that those are his actual thoughts and feelings. Um, I think that um, he he imagines that this happens and he convinces himself that it really happens, and it's it's all mm. it's all in his head. I, I, if anything, there might be an argument for like like maybe he actually killed uh, the the homeless man. Um, Mm -hmm. he does definitely show like real disdain and hatred for something. I don't know if it's the homeless man it's, but it's something inside of him or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the very end, he even talks to his lawyer and it seems like nothing has happened. Paul Allen's in, in Paris. Right. And yeah, uh, allegedly. And then (laughs) he says something about, he says something about, uh, I'm Bateman and the guy's like, "Oh, you know, Bateman could never do." That's where I—that's yeah. where you, you lost me on the joke because Bateman's, you know, essentially too much of a wuss to do any of that. Like, and then mm. and then he sits down with his little group of friends, and it's—I it, don't know—something about the very last scene when he's sitting in that circle um, makes me think that it's all—it's mm. all imaginary. And he's—he's he's really the loser of the group, and he's just imagining that mm. he's—he—I'm going to kill everybody. Mm interesting i like it okay so
2: i i i I feel like that you can kind of that's what's so great about movies like this that they give you clues or they kind of give you Mm. evidence to support either side so it's kind of like you know however you want to take it i'm kind of leaning more Mm. towards that it's real um and and that's so so there's a lot of different things that you could like you know pick out from this but you know everybody kind of like miss uh doesn't know each other's names and so i kind of took this as at first when his lawyer was like no man like i saw paul allen two weeks ago in london or whatever and or 10 days ago he he kind of says this in like a and like kind of like wink wink i saw him 10 days ago that's how i took it and i took it as his lawyer is trying to cover for him and that his lawyer's like no one of my client one of my clients is not going to be a serial killer i'm just going to Try to help him cover this up, and I felt like the real estate, w- w- uh, the real estate agency, mm. just clean up the mess for him. And it's like we're just we're just going kind to of brush this under the rug, like. And I felt like the message of the movie is that he's just another cog in this materialistic yeah. yuppie world. And all of them the things is that like he doesn't stand out. They're mm. all psycho just in different ways, and and also he. He feels trapped because, you know, he's trying to confess, but nobody's taking him seriously. And at the end, when he sits down right behind him in the restaurant on the door, there's a sign Mm. that says this is not an exit. And so I felt like he was hoping that him confessing would be Mm. his way out of his mental torment and that he could actually come out as who he is, as this crazy person who has all these horrible impulses. But because of the world he lives in, nobody cares like he can't escape and this this what was supposed to be his like climaxes his, his confession this isn't a true exit for him he's still stuck mm-hmm. in this damnation yeah yeah he that's kind of like what i took any, from
0: it he didn't even get any response from anybody and i when he's talking to the lawyer uh the it starts that conversation starts off with him confessing and the lawyer's like oh that's a funny joke and then he and then yeah. he's like no, no no i'm really a murderer and he the lawyer gets serious and he's like this is not funny anymore. This did yeah. not happen. Walk away, basically. So again, yeah. they, they leave it ambiguous on purpose. Same with the, you, we talked about the, uh, the realtor at the, at the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, think about how nice and how expensive that apartment is and how much that would take down the value or something like you, it would be really hard to, oh, to read. Yeah. So you clean it yeah. up, you just clean it up, make it disappear. And and when when he's confronted by the realtor and she realizes who he might be, she, she even says him says, like, yeah. I think you need to leave and never come back here. Uh, mm. So but even even with all that, that could also mm-hmm. it's, it's all from Bateman's perspective. It's all So all of that could just be skewed. She could have been like, no, nah, sorry, there's no one here. And he just the way he internalized it himself, the way he visualized it yeah. is her telling him, don't ever come back here. So right, a, yeah. and they they kind of do some nods to it. Also, remember when he's having the shootout and the police mm-hmm. car just explodes right. in this like plume of yeah. fire and smoke, <laughs> and he even looks at his gun like, "What the fuck? Like that's yeah. not how this works." <laughs> and and he's one shot oh, people yeah. like boom boom this perfect headshot. Aim, headshot.
2: Yeah. yeah, I I definitely feel like we do see things that aren't true that are hallucinations, like him blowing up the police cars. But I definitely think he committed all the murders and crimes and the, th- the thing that like stuck out the thing that i can't get past is that for a small part we kind of see it from Christie's point of view who was the the sex worker that he picked up twice and we, see- we- we're, we're kind of seeing it from her pov when she's escaping so that's kind of like what led me to th- that that's something i couldn't get past like okay well if he didn't do all this stuff how would we have gotten her pov or maybe, I guess, yeah. I, I guess that could still just be a dream of his. I don't know. Yeah. I just didn't take it as that. But yeah, it, this movie's still ambiguous to leave mm. it up to, you know, it's 50 yeah. 50. Yeah.
1: I think. I, uh, so when I first watched it, um, the lawyer scene is what really kind of threw me off. Uh, like, kind of like what you said, Blake, where he was like, listen, man, this isn't funny. Walk the heck away. Like, just keep walking. Like, it's the same thing where it's like, I'm not having my client be a psychopath. Everything's fine. Let me do my job. You have a way out. Just go. Um, watched it again. Uh, Brooker, I'm so glad you mentioned that this is not an exit sign because that for me is just kind of what encompasses everything that I believe this movie is about. So I did some digging into it and I don't know <laughs> if you guys know the play. It's such, such a good play. Uh, well, actually, it's a book that they made a stage play uh, that was supposed to be a stage play called No Exit. Have you seen that stage play? It is, yes. one, of, it is my, uh, one of my wife's favorite plays. Uh, it's one of them for her. And uh, it, essentially, the, the if you haven't seen it, go see it. The moral of the story is hell is other people. That's the, that's the takeaway from the whole book is hell is other people and you have these three individuals who are in hell and they're in a room together and they can leave essentially they can leave whenever they want but they don't because they need the other people to affirm in them that they are not that essentially affirming them their own identity they all at the very beginning they all are like why am i in mm-hmm. hell i was a good person i did all these amazing things or i was this kind of person and then you get more and more into them and you find out why each of these people are in hell and you realize that oh the person you thought was the sweetest is actually the worst and the person you thought was the worst is still terrible but not as bad as you thought uh, and you real like they will not leave this room in hell because they have to stay there to have in order for the other people to affirm their identity as no 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 I'm not bad I'm not bad I'm good listen to me I need you to you know so I uh I think that. The whole premise is that Bateman is trapped in this reality. So he doesn't get his out. He doesn't get the lawyers and like, oh, you did kill them. Arrest this man. And he will be known forever as Bateman, that guy who killed all those people. He is trapped mm-hmm. because he needs the other businessmen and his lawyer and everybody around him to confirm his identity as either a killer or as a ver- a really good uh, businessman or whatever, and they won't. So it doesn't matter. Like I think that, I, and there was an interview with um, the author of the book of, of uh, American Psycho, Brett uh, Easton Ellis, and uh, he essentially said that it wasn't supposed to be a movie because it, it's it's a lot easier to to be ambiguous in a book. Because if you're in watching a film, you can see everything happening. Mm-hmm. Like when he opens the closet and there's nothing there, you can clearly see there's nothing there. Or when everything gets cleaned up, you can clearly see that everything's cleaned up. At the end, it's supposed to be kind of ambiguous, more ambiguous of whether it's it's uh, real mm-hmm. or not. And even uh, the director, Mary Heron, I think is how you pronounce her last name, she was uh, – she has been in interviews to say that she wished she could make the ending. She she was trying to make the ending as ambiguous as humanly possible. And everybody was like, it was a dream, wasn't it? And she was like, no, it wasn't supposed to be either. It was just supposed to be a who freaking knows. And the I, I think you mentioned it earlier, kind of this whole identity blurs. Everybody is kind of their own version of an American psycho living in this system of, of yuppie culture. So I think in the end, I don't like... That's that's what makes this ending so good to me is the fact that regardless, the fact that nobody will recognize him as a person, nobody even knows who Bateman is because he keeps getting misidentified. Like, Paul Allen could have been, he kept calling this other mm-hmm. guy Paul Allen. Everybody called him Paul Allen. He might not have been Paul Allen. He could have had his own inner dialogue of being like, they keep thinking I'm this shithead Paul Allen and I'm actually, like, they, they don't <laughs> know. And so I true. think in the end, it, it's, that's what makes this like it's so great is that it doesn't matter that he can't get identified as a killer he won't be identified as Bateman the really good businessman he is just this person that sits in the circle of the other people that look exactly like him and he keeps getting confused for other people and he can't get a reservation at Dorsia no matter how hard he tries so I think that like that's again I think the whole the meaning of this whole movie is that his life is meaningless because he can't for the life of him find an identity. Uh, yeah. That's I, I, whenever. Wow. Uh, yeah. Right. No, I, honestly, I should have a good a thesis. On it. Whenever I heard that, uh, that the, this is not an exit was supposed to be an homage to no exit. I was like, Oh my gosh. Then that means like, it wasn't, I, I don't think that it was that w- it was supposed to be that no exit ties that deeply into it. But when I tie it that deeply into it, it makes perfect sense.
2: Definitely. And I think that that details also in the novel as oh, yeah. well, I think. And yeah, and you're correct about, I saw that interview with the director, how she wished they made it more ambiguous because I think most people believe that it is a dream, or not a dream, but that he, he hallucinated a good portion of this and that he actually didn't right. kill anyone. Um, and she actually went went on a limb to say if as far as i'm concerned he did commit these crimes but i wanted it to leave it more open-ended than yeah. what i actually man did. he's got
1: a great like off like from the hip shot like he was hitting people through the forehead and <laughs> like nailing people from way way out there i don't know if you like if you've ever fired a pistol i can barely hit the broad side of a barn like let alone this guy who's probably never touched his gun <laughs> and just pow and immediately right where you need to hit to let a whole car blow up yeah
0: I love that scene when he, he he kills the the guy at the desk at the one office building and then he goes into the next office building and he digs in his jacket and he pulls out like a pen and clicks it yeah. and signs. Oh it's such a good but, fake out. But when he when he runs through the, the door, uh-huh. the revolving door. He runs he kills the guy, runs through the door and the janitor walks out of the closet and he goes all the way around, comes back, shoots him <laughs> and then runs back to the door. <laughs> Like, he's just fucking yeah, like killing everybody. Yeah, there's kind of everybody. this level of
2: <laughs> comedic
1: timing to it. It kind of relieved the tension a little bit. It mm-hmm. was good.
2: Absolutely. And even the doorman, he goes, oh, hello, Mr. Smith. He didn't even, he didn't even get his name right. Whether mm-hmm. this is a halluc- hallucination or not, even in his own, if it is a fantasy, even in his own fantasy, people don't know his yeah. name.
1: That was probably the part where I, like, and, you know, it's so bad to just laugh at people dying, but it made me giggle with the do- The doorman. He was like, hello, Mr. Smith. And he, like, digs in his, and then pow, and then keeps going. Uh-huh. I was like, that guy, he's just... It's Bateman! He's just that great. Yeah, right, exactly. He's just sitting there. Yeah. That made me laugh. Uh,
2: really good insight about th- th- kind of three different interpretations for how that movie ends, which I love a movie that allows you to mm. interpret it differently. It just yeah. makes it so much more fun. And also, I feel like it makes it more rewatchable, too, because you might change Absolutely. your mind a little bit Absolutely. each time. Pretty much, you know, based on everything we said, I know that they're actually is a sequel to this movie but just based on just what we are presented here in this movie do y'all think that this movie should have a sequel
0: i don't think it needs a sequel uh i've never seen the second one um i can't imagine it was as as well executed as this one (laughs) that's a good word that's that's good Uh, i can't imagine it was executed um but (laughs) just got that (laughs) but uh i don't think this movie needs a sequel i think i think it, it ends on a perfect note I 100% agree with Blake. Yeah, it doesn't need a sequel. It's totally fine how is
2: it is.
1: Mila Kunis star in the second one. Yeah,
2: yeah. So the second one came out in 2002, three years after, or two years after this, and Mila Kunis, her character is actually a survivor from Bateman, or she's either a survivor or she, her mom was wow. one of his victims, but she watched the murder. I watched the trailer for it, and that's how they. That's how they advertise this movie is that she she was one of his victims that got away as a kid one of bateman's victims and she grew up to be a psychopath just like him and the trailer made it look like it's way more of a slasher film than it is like this Mm -hmm. psychological thriller but i haven't seen it so i i don't know that for a fact but yeah yeah i kind of want to just be willfully
0: Mm -hmm. ignorant like i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend like that movie it's like indiana jones like Oh no! There's uh-huh. only three Indian yeah. movies. That other one didn't. didn't yeah, didn't happen. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yes. Uh, there's only one American Psycho. That other one uh, didn't that, count. It was that, just that yeah. It was just for fun. Yeah. I'm like the lawyer at the end of the movie. Like it didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> no, Walk yeah, away. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: I I think I agree with y'all. I thought a lot about this because you know it was such a good movie. When I there's I was just like, man, how could we make this a sequel? I'm sure you could probably come up with something, but man, when there's an ending like that that's just so ambiguous and out in the air and a kind of a you know it's your left hanging being like, "Oh, I have to go through the movie again and decide what could it could possibly be. what is the ending? I would hate to to add anything to it to kind of confirm a particular point of view of oh, it was a hundred percent in his head or it's a hundred percent actual murder so yeah, I, I tried my best to think of something that might be exciting as a sequel and I was like, you know what, I think I'm just gonna keep it where let's let American Psycho just be where
2: it is. Uh any uh before we kinda wrap things up, any
0: final thoughts from either of you? Um I wrote down so when I was trying to come up with a with a message, um I ended up I ended up just writing a bunch of words and I thought it might be interesting <laughs> to just so I, I wrote down uh, excess, gluttony, capitalism, hedonism, materialism, oh. and superiority. I couldn't yeah. have said it better. That's <laughs> so like, and, and you can you can if it, the, the deeper and harder you go, it's it gets more and more abstract. So it worked better as just a, a series of words than it did trying to articulate mm-hmm. it into a sentence. I think I totally if think I that.
1: had to. Leave this movie with the thought it would be: don't let other people decide your identity, because if you do, you will never find peace, mm. and you might end up killing a bunch of people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe not the. Yeah. You, well, you should. Yeah, you should. You should <laughs> kill a bunch of people. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Blake, for joining us. And and Blake also suggested this movie for us, and this was awesome. This was a great movie to talk about. Yeah, um, thanks
0: for having me on. It we had a we had a I had a good time. That was a lot of fun. Um, again, I'm, my name's Blake. I, I do a podcast called Whiskey and Whiskers Podcast. Uh, not much. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google Play. You can find us if you're if you're interested.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, we'll leave a link for uh, Blake's podcast in our show notes. So, to swipe over to that and be sure to read those because Levi puts a lot of thought, a lot of thought into our description.
1: <laughs> and and Blake's Blake's logo is super cool. I like that a lot. I can see it behind you.
0: Yeah, that's oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So, we have we have a good time over there and again we try to keep it accessible and uh, you know, at times it can be considered lowbrow, but but it's it's supposed to be fun. We try not that's to take ourselves That's what our this is about, videos. man.
1: If you do if you're doing a podcast, it's about trying to find a way to have fun. That's literally why Brooker and I do it is we said, "Man, we both have jobs, we both live in different areas now. What can we Absolutely. do that we both love? Talk about movies."
0: So, we started we started in my garage. I'm I'm in my garage right now. Oh my gosh, uh, that's But awesome. I'm actually but but I'm building a, I'm building a studio and we're about to we're about to move in there but um, part of the allure or part of what I what I want and I'm gonna have to figure out how to keep it is like like I want I want you know to hear the beer can open I want to hear the lighter flicks yeah like I that's that's part of the ambiance it's supposed to feel like you're hanging out in the garage watching you know watching fights or football or drinking beers or like you're hanging out with your friends oh, I love and, you know that. that's what it's supposed to feel like so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the uh, the the vibe, I guess that, that, I'm, that I'm going that. for.
1: Getting the sensitivity to allow to hear the the light. awesome! Blacks. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, thanks again, Blake. This uh, yeah, this was Blake, a lot of fun. fun. And look out for our next episode, which will be released next week, in which Levi and I will be ranking our top five Jim Carrey movies. Woo! All right. See you next week. Bye.